Hello there, everybody. Welcome to the Pastoral Thoughts Podcast. This is your host, Jack Young, and uh, here today with Brother Paul Scott. We're going to be talking about missions today, hoping to be encouragement and a blessing to you. We talk about rethinking missions and got an important announcement. We have past 10,000 views on YouTube, so a big uh, landmark day today. And uh, if uh, you're listening to this episode and you would like a copy of Brother Scott's book, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the, some of the stuff that's in this book. I have read this book, I believe, at least a couple times. I definitely thumbed it over since I know he's doing a, a podcast with him today. But it's called Missions by Design, the Biblical Pattern for fulfilling the Great Commission, if you email us at pastorthoughtsmail at gmail, we will send you a free copy to the first 10,000 emails. Or I think I have three books. So the first three people to email me. We'll, we'll get you some uh, more. We'll, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to send you a copy of that book. Uh, but love to hear from you. And thank you for the folks that are tuning in and uh, watching and then also li- listening on their different podcast apps and things. Well, good to have have you with us, Brother Scott. Thank you, Pastor. It's good to be here. I, and I'm especially honored because I've seen some of the other guests you've had in this uh, great chair. And, yeah. Well, I feel, uh, uh, I feel uh, you know, really honored. Yeah, but um, you're a Vietnamese celebrity, you were telling <laughs> yeah, me about. So yeah, that's, of, that's uh, there. How warmly you are received. <laughs> and uh, you, you might... Uh, yeah, you might not get any attention stateside, but uh, <laughs> they know who you are in Vietnam. That's a good deal. And you just came back from a trip. Yeah. yeah. And um, can, can you tell us a little bit about like your the whole evolution of um, your, your work in missions and how sure. you got started in missions and sure. uh, your experience? Okay. I'll try to be brief. I'm not good at it, but I'll try. <laughs> As a young Christian, I thought missionaries, and I still do, I thought missionaries were the greatest people. They just, that was the top. And uh, I always wanted to be a missionary. And uh, as I approached graduation at a local Bible institute, we seriously considered the mission field. Mm -hmm. Uh, Long story short, I'll cut through it, but we went to Vietnam, and uh, as a survey trip, my wife and I, and uh, we hated it. It was terrible. I'm a country bumpkin. I'm a farmer. Here I am in this country that just opened to Americans. They thought we were CIA. We were followed. Mm-hmm. It was just difficult. The weather was terrible. We had be- beggars pulling on our sleeves and all. And what year was this? 1998. Okay. And um, yet, I think toward the last days, days when I taught, English at the hospital, I had a little Dr. Liu, Boxy Liu. She was one of the students in our English class, and she pulled on my sleeve, and I turned to give her the eye. Like, that's what you do with beggars. You just give them the eye, like, like stop pulling like on my sleeve. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, it's Dr. Liu. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she looked up to me. She was about four foot tall. And uh, she goes, now, Mr. Paul, we need you in Vietnam. You must come back, she said. And uh, I said, okay, I c- okay, I want uh-huh. to be I want to be where I'm needed. Yeah. And uh, so we went there. We, we came back and uh, we began the traditional missions route. Mm-hmm. We were part of a board from a southern state. 
and that's okay. You know, we, we didn't know anything. And we went around a little bit. A lot of a lot of our money was Kodak money back in the late nineties. You were making, we were making money hand yes, over yes. fist. But we went out as traditional missionaries, and uh, we were going to plant churches, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you know the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, we you're got gonna, there. You're going to plant indigenous churches, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm not the only one that's used that phrase. But, mm-hmm. um, we failed. We failed miserably. We found that the people that we, there was a couple of Americans there. A lot of it was, they were less than honest. I'll be kind. Yeah. And we were really disillusioned and we were really homesick. And, and their lack of honesty, because you understand that there is pressure on a missionary that lives on a field to put something in his newsletter yeah. and also make everything sound fantastic because yeah. that that's his, his, his livelihood is actually not being successful on the field, but keeping the support comes in that takes care of his family. But that hurt you because you thought they had something they didn't have and they yeah. were... I, I always a, held, a I held them in, uh, on a high pedestal mm-hmm. and to find out that they were running a con. I'm not saying every missionary is like that. But sure. These guys were, because there's no accountability. Mm-hmm. You're, people thought back then, Vietnam, Vietnam War, they would ask us, is there still shooting? There hadn't been shooting in 25 years. Sure. But that was still that mindset. Like, if you go to Vietnam, that's like crazy. You got, we'll throw money at you. Mm-hmm. And they were glad to take the money. Yes. So anyway, we came back. We were there, what, six months? And we came back disillusioned, hurt, and just confused. I just, we had good motives, I'm sure, as good as anybody else, and we had good training. Of course, you know, I was out of Bible school, so I knew everything. (laughs) And you you were working at Kodak. I was working at Kodak. As an engineer? Uh, engineering tech, yep. Engineering tech, yep. And uh, you're making good money, yeah. Great blue collar job, yeah. And um, you, you have four daughters, yeah. So you're talking about your life, and not only your life, but also the life of your family. Yeah, it was and hard on my family. The yeah, four daughters were so young, but they were blondes, and they were they were they were targets of just curiosity. Sure. The old ladies in the market, they walk to the market and they do things like we started them in skirts because that's what Baptists do. They wear <laughs> girls wear skirts. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And we found out when they jump on the motorbike, which is a transportation, the skirts start flapping around and yeah. not very modest. Mm-hmm. And then we'd go to the market and they'd, uh, I don't know if I, I, they don't appreciate me telling the story, but I think it's okay. Some of the old women would pick up their skirts and just they're curious what kind of panties they wear. Yeah. The foreigners. Yeah. That's pretty traumatic for a girl. Sure. So we went to slacks. Yeah. Pretty cool. <laughs> we lost a couple churches. <laughs> I saw your picture, brother. Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we, it's just, oh, we came back hurt, and disillusioned. And, um, I determined to just, think that was just this crazy thing. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to do that again. Mm-hmm. And I end up working. And at that time, the terrorist had hit the towers. Okay. There was no work. I was moving rocks for a landscaper. Here I go from being a hero, big shot, to <laughs> literally lifting to rocks for yeah. landscaping. And then uh, 
I pastored a church, a little church. They had heard that I was home, and if I could fill in, and I filled in, I filled in. You know the story, and pretty soon I'm the pastor down mm-hmm. there. And I enjoyed it. I was there three, four years, and that church had two Asian missionaries that we kept. We kept all the missionaries, but two of them were from Asia. One Wednesday night, I mentioned out loud in front of the congregation, those missionaries ought to, you know, we don't send them a lot of money, but they ought to at least send us a, a letter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the, the secretary, <laughs> she raises in the front row, she raises her hand and goes, Pastor, um, we we have a confession to make. I go, oh, really? This is, this is we? You're, you know, you're right in here. You know, we we have been hiding their letters. I, <laughs> yeah, that's the way I yeah. said, same look, you know. Well, tell, tell, what's going on? Well, and uh, you know the people, by the way. She, uh, she says, well, we're afraid that if you read the letters about Asia, that oh, no. you'll get... You, your heart will turn back to Asia, oh, no. and you'll leave us. You'll quit here, and you'll go back to Vietnam, and so on, and we don't want you to leave, and so on. I go, oh, that's ridiculous. Give me the letters. You know, we read the letters, and I read the letters, and my heart was, I started getting interested in how the Vietnamese <laughs> are doing. Yeah. And within a month or so, I went back to Vietnam to check on my friends. Okay. And on the way back from that trip, I when I came back, I gathered the men of the church and said, we need to transition. I've got to go back to Vietnam. Ah. And my heart is still in Vietnam. I can't love you and them. It's not fair. It's not fair to you, really. Mm-hmm. It's not fair to me. I can't do both. Yeah. I'm still in that quandary. I still I want to help everybody. Yeah. But I really want to help the Vietnamese. What the story of the book is, is when we went back the second time, and we did. We did the debutation. This time we learned a lot. I was surprised that a lot of, when I went to Bible school, a lot of my friends became missionaries. And when I would meet them years later, they were broken. They were yeah. hurt. They started off great. They were heroes when we left. Mm-hmm. But like us, they had to come back. And usually it was some emotional problem, spiritual sure. problem. A lot of it is the the lady isn't prepared to be away from her mom that Mm -hmm. long. The men, maybe they can go farther, maybe not, but it's tough. Mm -hmm. It's hard to go across the boundaries, and we found that we could just help the Vietnamese, just do projects with them, and we actually had more influence with them that way. We actually could do more because all of our resources wasn't in just taking care of our kids and so Your on. Your household. Yeah, just right. security and, yeah. and airfare. But I can just go over there. We can we can do a lot, and they can have a lot more influence. And, you can, and you can be in a supportive role exactly. for the actual indigenous But it doesn't have my name on it. It has Jesus' name on it. So nobody gets the credit except for Jesus? Yeah. That's terrible. Well, you <laughs> <laughs> say that, but that's a lot of, not a lot, but we did lose some supporters. Sure. Uh, that's okay. That's God bless him. I thanks for the help, you know. But uh, when I came back the second time, I had an old gentleman pastor say, "What you're doing there?" He says, "Does it work? And is it biblical?" Which are fair questions. Mm-hmm. I knew it worked mm-hmm. to support the nationals, train them, get out of the way. Because as a foreigner, when I go to Vietnam, a village. 
I'm more trouble than I'm a help yeah. to the church. Because if I visit the pastor's house, he's in trouble. As soon as I leave, the police are there. Who is he? What do you want? You know, mm-hmm. they give him flack. They give him yeah. grief. I'm better off to stay in the city, bring them in, a little more freedom. Mm-hmm. I can tr- teach them something. They can go back. No, no harm done. But I studied the Bible. Can you imagine that? That's that's yeah, that's a and crazy I, concept. I yeah. looked for, I looked for. I'll just be kind. I looked for the American method, American style. Yeah, I called it colonial, colonial style. style, and it was developed in the colonial period. When and, and during the colonial era, if people would study this, I know Gulshan Lal, who he takes uh, he's, um, out of our church here, and he takes trips to India. Uh, he taught a six week deal last winter about uh, the movement of missions. But during the colonial era, people need to understand that 85 to 90 percent of all Christians were in the in the Western world. It was an unreal amount of Christians compared to yeah. the, uh, the other populations where now today, uh, really, the majority of Christians are outside of the Western world. Yeah. And China has more Christians than the United States does. Now they have more people, but they have 75 million Christians in China. These are evangelical Christians. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a style. Well, there was a time when the pioneering style was necessary. Yes. And And so if you're Ed and Iron Judson, you're getting on a ship to go into Burma, and it it is a a three-month journey over water. Exactly. And you're burying uh, wives and children along the way, and then you get into a people land. There's there's not even a... um, a language school for you to go to or anything. You're starting from scratch. You're pointing towards this and they're telling you a word for coffee cup. Yeah. And uh, you're writing that down and he goes set, you know, amazing man, seven years yeah. um, before his first convert and then starts the translation work and all these things. Um, so there was, there was an era where they had to work with the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and these guys were great guys. And, and I'm not saying I want to be clear I love missionaries. There are guys even today that are on the field under the traditional mm-hmm. style setup, and they are successful. Mm-hmm. And God bless them. They're they're exceptional people that can work despite our hindrances of our poor training towards them. Mm-hmm. But I want to. I'm really. I wrote the book, and I'm really addressing the other groups, people like myself that are just average, mm-hmm. that have gone and they've tried hard. They've taken their families far away and they've gone through that whole process and they feel like they've failed. And they come back and it just doesn't work out and they, they're embarrassed, they're ashamed. They end up working in the third Sweet. shift at Walmart and that's it. It's like God has better things. Mm-hmm. And so initially, I mean, they went away to college, some of them, and uh, gave four years of their lives to schooling. And then when they took their wife and went around the country and their home, their hometown heroes, they're going away to um, the mission field. They get sent off and they get to this area and it's just so much different than they're used to. It's like uh, being on the moon. <laughs> it, it might, yeah, they might as well have went to the moon yep. and the... Um, 
culture shock kicks in. Yeah. It takes years and years and years to learn the language. And then even after that, you have to integrate into the culture and it doesn't feel like you ever do. And they feel like a failure because they just have a handful of people. They've been there for a decade. Yeah. Uh, and and the throw- children go crazy because they're third culture kids. They don't fit in the States. They've been away. They don't fit over there because mm-hmm. they're not them. So mm-hmm. they end up they end up in gangs or gay or whatever. They find sure. their own family groups outside of God's plan. Yes. And um, so you're trying to tell me that this is not the model that we see in the Bible. <laughs> I couldn't find the American model. Again, I can find good good people with good hearts. But I, I found quite the opposite. I don't find people crossing cultures. There are a few. Jonah crossed cultures. Jonah's did, did not our typical. On, did he go on dip, deputation <laughs> yeah, first? He didn't bring a cargo <laughs> container. <laughs> he I don't, I don't even he, hear he Mrs. Jonah, you know. <laughs> yeah, and he, he didn't pack a suitcase or <laughs> yeah, anything. Yeah. I didn't even think he liked where he went. No. And, and I doubt that he stayed. No. I, even when Jesus sent him out, you know, in, in groups of two initially, then others... They came back. It was a circuit. When they came back, they, you didn't say, what are you guys doing here? It, well, and another thing, too, is pack neither purse nor script. Yeah. So he says that the workman is worthy of his hire. He says if they don't receive you into the town, that means that they economically receive you, meaning they're housing you and feeding you and taking yeah. care of you inside that town. Uh, shake, shake the dust off your clothes and go into the next town, for that town is not worthy of you. And like you said, they're coming back. We're we haven't even talked about finances and resources. Churches like this one, we don't we don't have unlimited resources. We have an unlimited God, but we have we have a budget each year. Right. For what it costs to send a family around the country for four, five years now. Probably half a million dollars. To, to gain support, to gain pledges, and then all the stuff that it costs them. And then they go over to wherever Far away is Stan, and what if they last one year? What if something happens? And things do happen, whether it's COVID, whether there's a change in government, or whether it's internal, whether they just can't. God God doesn't. A lot of times health stuff, too, because you get health. to, let's say if you're going to a third world country and you're used, your body is used to living in a first world country, you are going to get sick. Yeah. That's just a reality. You're definitely going to get homesick, but. Yes. We were homesick big time and and I think it's good we should be homesick. God made our homes, you know. Well, we miss it, our families. Again, he wants us to miss If you go back to that biblical model, you know, Jeremiah said my eye affecteth my heart. Yeah. Uh and um you know, if you look in if you look in scripture, most time people are ministering to their own, of their own family, of their own kindred, yeah. um you know, of their own kin. And I I think of, you know, here we're in northern New York. And sometimes we have guys come up from the south, and they'll take a church, and they're gonna you know, show us Yankees how it's done, and they wash out. I mean, I I know some good guys, talented, yeah, that come up here, yeah, and you know they do a good job for a short time period, but then I mean we're talking the same country, right? And so it's not that big a cultural change. Can you imagine going far away, overseas? Right. It's different. It's it's difficult. At first, it's a challenge. It's interesting and fun. It's cool, but it it wears you down. the The idea of being a foreigner, no matter how long you're there, you're still the foreign. You could be there for ten mm-hmm. years, 
They'll call you the foreigner that's been here 10 years. Well, even if you lived there your whole entire life in Vietnam, you know, um, you could have been born there almost and lived your whole life. You're still not Vietnamese. Um, There's very few melting pots for countries anymore. And so you you are not going to um, fit into that land. Now, I I think there's going to be somebody that would object and say, well, I know somebody that went to far away Istan and they're doing... Isn't that great? Well, there's, good, an good exce- there's an exception to every rule. Yeah, they're good, just good like, for you. Just like if I said men are stronger than women. Well, so, well, I know a woman that could beat you in arm wrestling. Well, I bet you do, but there's 10,000 out there <laughs> who I could beat. Um, Those East German Olympians. <laughs> exactly. So I am Helga von Steroid. Th- there's, yeah, there's always an outlier. Uh, and there's always someone that, that uh, really what they're doing is they're proving the rule because they're in a minority. But yeah, you go again. I would think that if we went back to the biblical model, the biblical method, that's yeah. where I, you know, I picked up your book and I, I've been, I've been thinking this for years because yeah. I'm looking in the Bible and trying to figure out the American style of missions, and I do not see it anywhere in the pages of Scripture. Um, even Jesus in his earthly ministry, uh, if there was someone from outside of where he was uh, immediately look, look ministering. Look at the maniac he, of Gadara. He, he's a go, go, he go to your people. Go, go back to your own people. It's like, what? And tell them what great things God has he done for you. He didn't even give them a tithe envelope. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> How can you do that? No. And um, I know. Th- then even in the Great Commission, um, you know, he says, tarry ye in Jerusalem. Yep. And, you know, go ye therefore into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Well, Peter did that on Pentecost, and he preached to 18 different nations, languages, and tongues in Jerusalem. Yes. And then those people went back to where they had come from with the message of the gospel. And um, So when Christ said, go ye into all the world, for them, the the world isn't geographic. It's it's not the earth. The world is the people. Mm -hmm. And they were there at Pentecost. They were there. Mm Mm-hmm. For them, the Jews who just they have to cross the street or whatever, they're right, they're in their city. I think Josephus said there was a million visitors every year. Just go talk to them. Yes. It's just like the, the Ethiopian eunuch. He went up to Jerusalem. He was searching. He came back. He still didn't have the answer, mm-hmm. but God sent Philip. Philip the evangelist. Yep. And again, he didn't pack his bags or anything. He just ran out in the desert. He, and met, he met him halfway at Gaza. Mm-hmm. He never really left Israel proper. Mm-hmm. And then when he was done, he went Guess what? He went up the coast to his home mm-hmm. where he lived, Caesarea. That's where Paul would find him later. So these guys now, are always going home. And so so someone said, ah, the Apostle Paul is missionary. We call him his missionary journeys. Um, are, as someone, if you ask a, a missionary, if you said, where, where is your, um, where do you get your model of yeah. ministry from? Yeah. They're probably going to point to the Apostle Paul, would yeah. you say? Usually. Yeah, Paul, yeah, I think he's probably the most popular. Yet Paul identifies himself over and over again as apostle. The yeah. word missionary is never even used in the Bible. No. So we're kind of on thin ice, and we, we declare that. And even if you wanted to use Paul, none of us go out as Paul. We don't have apostolic authority. <laughs> Because I remember talking to a guy one time. We have and wives and children, and yeah, 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 and uh, yeah. He was he was commissioned by Christ to the Gentiles to to be the minister to the Gentiles, uh, be the sent one to the Gentiles. Yeah, and um, of course you write about this in the book. He never left the confines of the Roman Empire. Right, and when he wanted to go to Bithynia, the Holy Spirit forbade him. Yes. That was unknown territory. Yeah, outside the Roman Empire. Yeah, that was a restive state. They. 
They were not getting along with the Romans. Mm -hmm. And yet, Paul immediately meets Lydia. Mm -hmm. It's from the Lydian kingdom. That includes Bithynia. She would be a local seller of purple. She has the resources. And later in Philippians, when he writes to them, he thanks the women that ministered to them, to, to the Bithynians. That would be Lydia, I believe. Yeah. And I could go on. There's many, many examples that we talked about. Them. It's just, and I found a lot of examples, but I couldn't find any American-style examples. No, and, um, and then also the su support style is unheard of in the Bible. In fact, it is the complete reverse. Yeah. Here's something I did um, on my own. Um, this is real missions giving. So Jesus sends the 12. They were supported by the hearers. They weren't supported by the senders. They were supported by the people who they went to. So it'd be, you know, if we're going to send somebody overseas, well, we don't need to give them any support because whoever they're going to go minister to, they're the ones that are going to be supporting them. That's how Jesus sent out them two by two. And also you don't see um, that done as well. Um, in, in Acts chapter number six, when they're electing deacons, which, which is interesting, um, all the deacons are Greek. Mm -hmm. They're voted in by the Greek widows. So yes. even uh, the Greek widows, guess who they're voting for? People like themselves. Exactly. The Greeks. Um, so you have the law of the ox and the workman, yep. you know, where uh, Christ said that whoever ministers unto you spiritual things, you, you meet unto them um, carnal things. And then, you know, uh, workman is worthy of his reward. And whoever labors well among you, meaning labors to you in the word, they're worthy, worthy of double honor, double honorarium. Uh, and so they should be supported. The principle of hospitality in the Bible. Um, and even what Paul speaks of taking an offering, the offering was for the home church in Jerusalem. That's right. Where there was a famine in Jerusalem. So he goes out to the... So it actually is the opposite. Yeah. It's the opposite. <laughs> and they, you, you, should send, you should help the mother church. They need help right now. Okay. So it's a principle of being in debt to whoever was a spiritual blessing to you. Exactly. So the church in Acts actually sent out the original um, apostles, and Paul was you know, an Israelite. And so they're raising money for the home, the sending place. Yes. Um, so it's complete reverse. And then it's also the same principles in Philemon where Paul asks a request. He says, you know, if Onesimus done anything, put it on my account. Mm -hmm. He says, and I want to remind you, you owe me your own soul. And so there was a debt. Yeah. Um, I've seen people use uh, Philippians chapter number four as proof text for, um, for uh, support sent to missionaries where it's actually... Once again, it is a reverse because when Paul went into uh, the regions of Macedonia, and particularly Corinth, he writes the Corinthians said, saying, I robbed from other churches when I came to you, meaning it was unnatural for another church to pay for your preacher. But since you were so carnal and backward, uh, I had to get support from Philippi. Yeah. Uh, and, but let's go back to Philippi. Philippi was the church that Paul founded and started with Lydia. Mm -hmm. And since Paul led them to Christ, they felt a debt to the Apostle Paul. So even after he left uh, their midst, they continued to support him and to be a, a blessing to him. Uh, you know, so you see the flow of uh, missions churches are actually, you know, in the different order. And it goes back again, too, also to... Um, you know, we're, we're Baptists, and Baptists believe there's two offices. Mm -hmm. I guess there's a few out there that believe there's <coughs> three, you know, 
I guess, pastor, elder, uh, deacon, whatever. But, um, but we hold the two offices here. So pa- pastors and deacons. And pastors and deacons are an actual thing with also actual requirements in Scripture. You can make the argument there's 24 different requirements for a pastor. Uh, if you look at all that, you know, if you look at Peter and Paul and um, look at their requirements for a pastor, and then also there's a list of requirements for deacons. And I know where you're going. In their you're act- going to go to the M word, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> And so they're, and they work with a real flock. Maybe with, in the with, with, <laughs> Right. With real people that they're accountable to. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they have a real family, a real church family. There's real accountability there. Yeah. And so if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, right. uh, there's going to be problems. But if you make up a word, missionary, yeah, yeah, you get to define terms as to what a missionary actually is. Yes. And so you're actually adding to... Yes. Scripture, uh, when you say the word missionary. Well, that's it. You're, you're doing something that the world does. It's, they're using their imagination to reform what God said. Right. And that's not good. And if, and if you look at the history, <coughs> I was talking to uh, Evangelist Brian Sharp earlier today, uh, but if you look at the history of the word missionary, uh, he says it goes, it goes back to the, um, the, the, Turk, the Turks when they invaded Jerusalem these uh, Muslims that came in and these imams were called Janissaries. And so the Janissary was essentially for Jews and Christians, you convert to Islam or you die. Mm. And they even made their way into Europe. And then really the Crusades were probably actually, well, they were just a response by Europe to try to beat the Muslim hordes back to their own territory. It wasn't necessarily a bad thing, the Crusades. I mean, bad things were done. Hello, that's war. That's war. war. But so the Catholic response to the Janissaries were missionaries. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually a Roman Catholic term. And as they came in, it was the same thing, convert or, or die. die. Yeah. And uh, we, we never went that far. <laughs> <laughs> so we... Um, yeah, well, it, we should it, try that next time. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Well, I tell you what, it, it worked in uh, different places. I yeah. tell you what, yeah. you know, South America, Central wherever. America, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, uh, those well, missionaries came in. As long as you're talking on that subject, mm-hmm. they, like you're a pastor, somebody comes in and they they have, they're in they're in debt, or they have money problems. As a pastor, what you're going to do is you're going to take them to the Bible and show them biblical patterns how to manage your money, mm-hmm. including debt and so on and so forth, and covetousness and so on. You're going to use the Bible and teach them the, with the pattern. A pattern is you you make something with a pattern. Mm-hmm. Moses was said, make it exactly according, according to the to pattern, pattern I showed you. And same with a couple in marriage. They, they have marriage problems or they're going to get married. Well, you're going to sit down with them and you're going to show them this is what... According to the Bible, this is what a marriage looks like. This is success. This is the picture of it. In these other verses and so on. But when a man comes to you and says, I think God's called me to be a missionary, what, where do you take them in the Bible? You don't. It's all existential. It is. That's the problem. Meaning I felt the Lord guiding exactly. me to this particular region. I went to a conference, and I and, and, and I, it, they're I, honest people. They, absolutely. Their heart is great, and I just felt God touch my heart, and he may, there's a lot of emotion there. But I want to build on that pattern. 
what we found out is we went out under a man's pattern mm-hmm. or maybe a philosophy of men and well it reminds me you know, it reminds me of um the lady she's cooking a ham and just before she put it in the oven she cut both ends off the ham and the daughter asked her, said, Mom, why, um, why are you cutting both ends off the ham before you cook it? She says, well, my mother always did it that way. Uh, and um, I said, well, did you ever ask your mom why she cut both ends off the ham? And, uh, you know, so they called up Grandma. Grandma says, you know, my mother did it. Gra- great-grandma's still around, so let's call her up, you know. And, you know, and so they call the old great-granny up and say, why do you cut both hams, uh, ends off the ham? So it's been done now for four generations, all the way down to the, yeah. the uh, you know, the great-granddaughter. Uh, and, he, and she said, well, he said, the pan that I used to have wasn't big enough <laughs> to know. hold the ham I had to cut both there ends off. There was a good off. reason. Right. And yeah. so I think it's the same thing yeah. with, this, with the colonial-style, yes. uh, American-style missions. There was good reason yes. why they did the things that they did at that time. And they were good people. But I'm at, not saying they're bad people. And you, you, can have, you can have something good and have a wrong format, and God you know, wants to bless to the fullest extent possible. You also can have outliers that are going outside the parameters of the pattern set forth in Scripture and be very successful. Um, you know, you can have... You know, some people, you know, I've heard people make an argument that I don't think Billy Graham was even saved, you know, because of, you know, his, his, yeah. his, his affinity methods. for the Roman Catholic Church and the Pope and everything else. Yeah. Uh, every time Billy Graham would go preach somewhere, he'd contact the lo- local archdiocese and, uh, you know, seek permission and cooperation and everything. Uh, and tens of thousands of people were saved. The Billy Graham Crusades, I've met tons of people that were saved there. Uh, and he was following, a, you know, an, an unbiblical model, yeah. yet people were getting saved. Yeah. And and so I can look at that and say, well, I mean, God used the message of the gospel. Is there some problems there? Yes. Because um, when someone receives Christ and they go back to the Roman Catholic Church, they're gonna they're not going to live the victorious Christian life. Yes. Um and you know that's just one of the many <laughs> different problems that we see. So I think you could have a ministry, and a lot of parachurch ministries, they're, they're great, but they're not patterned after the biblical model. Yes. Some of them on paper are very successful. Yes. Uh, but it, once again, we say, well, did the Bible give us all things for faith and practice? Okay. Well, let's try to stick as close as we can to the pattern found in Scripture because that's the pattern that's going to ultimately work. Amen. You got it. It took, it took me a life to understand that regarding missions. Yes. And let it, me just, I want to just be clear that I think we have the same goal. I, we want to have influence on the world. We want the lost of the world, those that have never heard Jesus or fully understood truth. They've never been able to come to acknowledging the truth because it's come in bits and pieces and sound bites and the news and American TV and so on. We want them to understand who God is and what God is, expects of them and what they can expect of God, including salvation, including mm-hmm. prayer, including joy and peace. We want the same things. But to do that, we can call ourselves missionaries or we call ourselves evangelists, whatever mm-hmm. we want to do that. We're, we're only going to be successful. We don't do... Having the right motive is not enough. No. We have to also follow God's methods. 
and my the whole thesis of my book is we need to bring our process back into a biblical process. Not that the people are bad, their people are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Let's help them. Let's be more let's be more efficient with God's money mm-hmm. and with God's people. We're going to do that, and we're going to please God when we trust what he said, when we follow the pattern. First, we have to find the pattern, and it's in there. There's mm-hmm. a lot of examples of reaching out to people, but it doesn't match our way. And, you know, I, I, hope, I hope the book, I wrote the book for two groups of people. One, missionaries that feel like they failed. Right and they feel like they've washed up and so on, please read the book. We failed you by sending you in that direction under that format. We, we, we didn't know. We were, just, we're we were ignorant. The other is for... And again, like, so if you're a missionary and you want a deputation, mm-hmm. hometown hero, mm-hmm. sent off big hoopla, went to the field and just got burned out. Yeah. So Brother Scott's saying, you know maybe in the back of your mind, you feel like an absolute failure. Cause like, I thought I was called to missions and I went there and uh, I burn out. We'll say, okay, well, where in scripture do you see someone, you know, going into some area that they have no association with, uh, you know, dragging their family along yeah. and not knowing anybody, not being with anybody and just indefinite period of time um, going there. I say that that's not, that's not there. Not. And so if you went and, you know, you came back, you're not a failure. Exactly. By the Bible metric. I love you. You're a hero. Please reexamine the process we sent you in. We were a failure because we sent you under a wrong pretext. The other is for young couples, usually young, not always young, but people that feel like, I want to be a missionary. I, I haven't been there before, and I... Mm-hmm. I just feel the call. I'm, I really have a burden for this people group. It's outside of where I live now and so on. Please read the book. Read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Before you do anything, before you get married, before you adjust your finances, find the pattern that God has laid out and follow that pattern. You'll find success. If you veer off without God's word behind you, you might do it. Because you're really, you're exceptional, but uh, it's so much easier to just obey God. It's yeah, the right yeah, thing yeah, to do. You follow that pattern. And, and the old saying is you'll either uh, fail miserably or succeed more miserably. <laughs> exactly. And, and so yeah, there's, good. you know, there's a lot of ministries <laughs> out there that, again, there's, there's a success in the way that, you know, they can yeah. draw attention to themselves yeah. and the amount of funds that are being raised. Um, oh, and again, yeah. you talk about the economics. Um, I would say for, for a young couple, um, it'd probably take them a half million dollars before they got to the field. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and then once you get to the field, it's going to take you a year you, to get language school. And, and it's going to cost you a hundred thousand dollars a year minimum yeah. to be on, e- even in a lot of times, third world countries. If you're going someplace like Europe or, uh, one of these places that are more expensive, you're raising 130 you know, $150,000 a year. Um, and, and we're just, we're just getting started. Um, or at the same time, what could that amount of money do for, for instance, in a place like Vietnam? Yeah. Yeah. To, to where there's uh, people reaching their own group through the Vietnamese. They're already integrated into that culture. Yeah. They already have a network of people that they know. Yeah. 
Um, and it's kind of like China when they kicked out American missionaries, guess what? Uh, Christianity's done better than ever. Yeah. And, um, and it's funny to hear some people talk sometimes. And again, I, um, I'm trying to redeem myself by the end of this uh, podcast as far as important, <laughs> but, um, they talk like they're the great white hope mm-hmm. that they're going to go to these, um, these backward Brown people, you know, and they're going to mm-hmm. teach them how to get things done where I'm thinking, no, you probably there's a lot of stuff that we should learn from them. They probably have a lot of stuff to teach us. I went to pastor Ben one time. He was a, he's a big Vietnamese pastor. I mean, he's powerful church was running about 2000. It's in Saigon. And so it's open, relatively open. And I asked him once, uh, Lucy and I had him over for dinner, him and his wife. And I, I asked him, pastor, what can I do for you? How can I help you? <laughs> he was shocked. He put down his chopsticks. He goes, Teacher, I've I've met probably five other foreign missionaries like you, and you're the first ones that ask what how they could help me. Mm-hmm. They usually come in, and I hate to see them walk into church because they'll siphon <laughs> the back row people off. Uh-huh. They'll invite them to their house for quote unquote Bible study. Okay. What they use them for is photo ops. Sure. So they have enough photos for the year. Sure. They'll, they'll dispense them when they need them, when they write letters. But they just use my people, and they don't bring them back. They just waste them. Sure. And they, they make great photos, I guess. You're the first one that's actually said, how can I, how can I help you? <laughs> he was just shocked that we didn't want something from him. Sure. So what he what he was saying was just that that the, that the American in his experience this yes. is him yes that uh, um, the American people that come to help quote unquote are actually more of a hindrance exactly. and hurt the ministry more. You know, evangelist Doug Whiteside. Yeah. He, he used to preach back yeah, at sure. uh, First Bible in the sure, day sure, and yeah. uh, the big blowouts there they had um, yeah. a week long. Uh, he was on the podcast uh, probably two or three months ago. That was a great episode. If, oh. if, if someone's listening, they missed it. I asked him, I, you know, it's one of these random questions I'll ask guests sometimes. I said, you know, if you had a million dollars to invest in the mission field, now he's traveled all over the world and he's of the same exact, you know, he'd be amen. And I think about everything that we're saying. <laughs> and, and I'm sure he put, he's in, you know, he still has to preach at churches. So I'm sure he put clause <laughs> after clause. Well, I'm not saying that, you know, he'd have to say that. Yeah. I don't have to, I don't have to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in a church, you know, I don't have to, um, you know, have open doors, but, um, but he, you know, he was saying that he would invest every dime into truly autonomous indigenous, yeah. um, churches in different regions of the world yeah. and just play a supportive role to the um, Christians that are already there. Mm-hmm. And he, he gave the testimony on the podcast about this guy in Siberia that had tr- started like 26 churches. And somehow he came across this guy in his journey to Siberia. And he, he said, and he said this on the podcast, he said, I told him, I said, do not associate with any American. He says, they will ruin your ministry. <laughs> he says they're going to take credit for it. Yeah, he says they're going to be telling you what to do. Now, here is this guy. I don't know one single guy in America that has started 26 churches and successfully and have them all running. Um, and so he says they're going to try to take credit for it. And, um, but you know, and, he, and he says, you know what? The guy didn't listen to me. The whole thing was messed up. <laughs> you know? Well, again, you know, 
that points to our system. It's not American people. It's the system, the, the missionaries, because I'm, I'm one of them. You feel the pressure to perform. You feel you just can't write home and say, this month I, I was just miserable. I sulked. I watched TV. I didn't do anything. <laughs> you know, you, you just can't tell the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm so homesick and I didn't feel good. And I, you know, I, I hate this place and so on. You, you can't do that. So you gotta, you gotta borrow. I, I use the term cardboard cathedral. I've seen, it's just, it's the system. When you say cardboard cathedral, you're saying that, you know, for the prayer letter, yeah, we get a whole bunch of people together by having some sort of a giveaway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We throw up a church that Sunday morning and take a lot of photos, and it comes back down again. And the hu- the housekeeper's family that you hired to play church goes home, and they don't even know what they just did. They just know they made five bucks. That, yeah, right. You know, right. Crazy, yes. crazy. Yeah. Um, so if you so for for missions, what what. Um, What's the solution then? What do you think that um, we ought to be focusing on? You know, if you're listening to this, you know, we're not saying to go to drop all all your, uh, you know, missionaries that are on the field no. or anything like that. No, don't we support do that. missionaries that are there. Um, Honor the guys that you support. Absolutely. And um, but we're calling this rethinking missions. Yes. So perhaps, you know, in the next 10, 20 years, yeah. you might want to rethink about how you invest your missionary dollars. Yeah, use the Bible. Use the Bible for if you're a good pastor or you're a good teacher. You're using the Bible for all the other patterns that you teach, facets of life. And here's a these people are their whole life is given to this. I've done this twice. I've sold everything I own twice. My whole life is given to this industry. I think I know what I'm. I know a little bit now. I'm Vietnam specific. I understand it's it's going to be different in some fields, but the general idea is, I I would. I would plead with you before you invest your life, find the pattern in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Be sure of where you're going. Be sure that this is God's pattern. And that's a healthy thing in anything you do. And then when you get into it, have fun. Go full blast. Mm -hmm. Enjoy it. You'll have great influence and you'll have peace and God will bless you for exercising faith because you want to you influence the lost world. You want God's name proclaimed around the globe. Good for you. Me too. Mm-hmm. And you want God's name proclaimed locally as well. Good. God is worthy. We want to worship God that way. We want to have influence, but we want to do it God's way. Please be sure you're following God's plan in anything you do in your life. So how's your role in Vietnam changed? I mean, what do you what do you do now when you go to Vietnam? For the last maybe ten years, twelve years, I we say DDVV. I go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Usually, COVID's exception, but usually about four times a year. Mm-hmm. I get the flights when they're cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am a Scot, so yeah. <laughs> and I go back and I teach. Uh, I I meet the groups that I know, and I meet some new ones, and I do seminars. Mm-hmm. And we, we go to their church or we go to a meeting area. If it's out in the country, we, we meet in a kind of a secret area. Mm-hmm. And I, I teach the pastors some basic things. Lately, I've been just teaching, this time going over, it's, it's marriage counseling. Because mm-hmm. they get none of it. Mm-hmm. Last time, it was uh, types of Christ in the Old Testament. I open up the Old Testament, 
see Jesus in there. See, he's on every page. They're just fascinating. They don't. That's one thing we have as Americans that they don't have. We have libraries of information. They have libraries of faith that we lack, but they we have information. So I share them information. What I tell the young man, I give them truth, and I expect them to take a nugget of truth, whether it's honor your father and mother or whatever it is, and practice it. Mm-hmm. See God work and build. Take that, take that step, take that step. I just encourage them with truth. They have to make decisions. They have to grow. And so you you play a supportive role in the churches that are always that are already over there, and then the pastors that are already over there, um, you play a supportive role with. And then also, if um, if there is some sort of financial need, you try to make uh, churches aware in the states. We have industry. It's called quilling cards. Whereas girls, we've found that girls are really susceptible to the sex trades and so on. We have a house called the New Life House. It's converted to the New Life Church. It was a dormitory, a safe house for these kids. And they st- so many got saved mm-hmm. that they asked, can we, can we just have church here? And so now it's New Life Church. And now we're building another church, New Life Number 2. So it's so successful. These kids get saved. They get grounded. They live in the same dormitory. Then they go out in groups of five or six. They go back out to the countryside to to visit their parents. They testify. They can say things and do things that if a foreigner was with them, it'd just be, what's the foreigner want? What's he want? What's he want? You know, it would just be, I'd be a distraction. I'd be a problem. Mm -hmm. But they get grounded and they grow. We uh, We have always ongoing projects, building projects, but I think the most is I try to meet what do they need the most. Mm-hmm. Right now they need the most is specific training on topics. Mm-hmm. As I said, they asked me, can you teach about marriage? So Lucy and I are putting together, we're going to put together a package. And we'll go to a church and we'll be there three nights and so on. And they'll bring other churches together. Yeah, and you're teaching teachers. I mean, you're teaching pastors yes. and laymen and exactly all these things. And it's, a, and it's a, a supportive role. And then they take it. I, I put it in PowerPoint. It's converted to Vietnamese. And then I give them, give them those little thumb drives. And then they take it back through. Right now, all through the country, they're using the material we left from when we were there in June. And they, they teach it over and over and over again. I'm having more, Pastor, honestly, I'm having more influence in Vietnam with Vietnamese than when I lived there. How is this um, monetarily, and monetarily, monetarily, how do you say that? Monetary-wise, uh, how is this more economical mm. than what you were doing before? It's about 60% of the funds that come to us are used for projects in Vietnam now. Mm-hmm. When I lived there, when we lived there as a family, I would be glad if I had 5% left over. Sure. Because it's so much more expensive, to, especially with a large family. I had four daughters. Mm-hmm. All of our resources were consumed with living there and staying alive and safe. Now, how come missionaries have such large families? <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I <I'll>, I might have to pass on that one. <laughs> I'll answer it because they can afford to. 
<laughs> well, right, it that, gets pretty well, lowly over there. <laughs> I know, yeah, right. Yeah, you got you to talk to somebody. I mean, you know, kids. Um, but, but yeah, so, and it, that, is, uh, that is funny. Yeah, the missionaries a lot of times have big families. And so if you, if you were a pastor, and again, you're rethinking missions, uh, you know, next 10 or 20 years, let's take it slow. Yeah. No one likes, no one's likes change. It's old uh, Robert's uh, laws of power there, you know, <laughs> preach change, but don't change because people hate change. Yep. Um, so if you're changing things in the next 10 to 20 years, what would you look for as far as like with your missions budget? Like where would, what would your investment be in? Well, that's a good question. I would not cut. If you've got traditional missionaries, I think you would be uh, you would be unwise. You're going to lose God's blessing if you just pull them out because you've changed your philosophy. They right. didn't change their philosophy. No, no, no. Why would you do that? Yeah, you should be be a gentleman and. But but I would think yeah. I would work into I would work in training. I would work in I would teach the principles of the pattern. Find the pattern, and let church move with you let them don't get ahead of the church learn what you know if you if this makes sense and the things in the book make sense teach it to the people there, there's a lot of guys out there like yourself too that yeah. are working and some some are pastoring churches at the same time like we um brother david barnhouse he uh lived in kenya not kenya um zambia and uh, he travels back and forth but yeah, he he he's gone on this whole thing with me too. He says like for one hundred and fifty dollars a month, yeah. you know, he's got good men that he can support as pastors, and they're working boots on the ground. They grew up there. I mean, they can live at a different economic level than you and I could ever live. Mm-hmm. He said, "Where you know, we've got missionaries with you know, live in some compound with satellite dishes on their roof and yeah. uh, guard dogs and everything else like that, and rarely come out. And you know, f- <laughs> for the support that's going into that." That guy, I can support, I mean, churches, orphanages, schools, build. I mean, they they can build church buildings. And this is every year they can do this. They have great influence. And that's what we want. Yes. That's what we want. And I I think each church has to decide. Like, I can't say. And you think there's a lot of pastors out there that need to get involved in missions, maybe taking, you know, a couple weeks a year and going and. and, That would be good. Pastors are the busiest people in the world and the most overworked. And I don't expect, but if they could go, and uh, you've had people that sit here in this chair that have gone with me, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's enlightening. I also bring Vietnamese here to the states for a couple of weeks. We'll do a seminar. We'll do a missions conference with with the people. What? Imagine that. Mm-hmm. Have a missions conference with with the end product right yeah, there. Right, you know, right. how can we help you at at the end? Uh, but again, you know. I guess if I could leave with one, if I could leave, whether you're a missionary or a pastor, or if I could leave with one thought, would you just consider, and I I try to say this gracefully, and I know some of my sarcasm in the book comes through, I'm trying to get your attention, but Mm -hmm. um, please consider that missions and missionaries they're good people. You're sending very good people, They're often mm-hmm. young people. They're often your favorite people. They're often your relatives. Would you at least consider that there's a possibility of several methods apart from 
the traditional method. I'm not saying scrap your method. I'm not saying do something radical. Would you at least consider and pray, God, is there a better way we can do this, that we can help our people, we can be more efficient, we can be more effective? We want to send people to influence the world, but we don't want them to get hurt. Right. We love these people. God, is there, am I missing something? Should I be finding, is there some truth that I haven't hooked up to? And then, Lord willing, you'll find that you'll gravitate, you'll, you'll have the freedom to gravitate to a process improvement without hurting the people. That's right. what I want. I don't want... And, and, I don't want to hurt you, people. You know, and you th- and you think, and you think about it. Um, you know, sending a young couple, and there's something exciting about being young and you're visionary. <laughs> you want to give your life to something that counts and something that matters. I mean, uh, it's kind of the old, you know, um, between the ages of 18 and 22. You know, I know a, a guy's brain hasn't even developed yet he doesn't even have an adult brain till he's about the age of 22 sometimes 25 um and you know that's why young you know a young guy will get in a car and drive 150 miles an hour do stupid stuff um that that's why he'll go fight in war yeah you know 18 to 22 year olds because they're the only ones stupid (laughs) to do that generally when you get older you're like i ain't gonna do that kidding me um for what yeah right and so um there there's no there's no hurdles, there's no bars, there's no steps. Like um, the ministry is intricate. The in- ministry is, I mean, you were talking about this earlier, is that it took you so long to learn certain things. I mean, there's so much to learn and grow in mm-hmm. where you're sending, you know, if you're sending a 22-year-old or a 25-year-old to the mission field, you were like sending, it'd be kind of like laying on this table and expecting an, a nurse or uh, to perform brain surgery on yourself mm-hmm. like um there, there there's not the experience there there's not the um yeah. the, there's no ministry experience sometimes educational you know experience is low go to a foreign field learn the language integrate in the culture um and do all these things it's just an overwhelming yeah. ask yeah of somebody yet we do it all the time and then we're upset because they come back home yes. or really is a you know, as a pastor, I'm thinking, good night. You know, you're you're 24. I know, I, you know, I barely knew anything at 34, let alone 24. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, God bless you. I, I, you know, I appreciate their heart. Mm-hmm. They're good people. Pastor, maybe you can just rein them in and say, let's look at, let's look. You know, say I've got a burden for uh, Chinese people, I, whatever, any group, name a people group, you know, Asian Right. Well, probably in a city near me, there's a university with 5,000 Chinese students that you don't have to quit your job. Your wife would see you at night and you could have Christmas with your parents and your kids could grow up normal and you could enjoy your home church. And and why don't you make a trip over there once a year for the next 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see how that goes. Meet their parents, meet their pastor and so on. Find out where they live and, and make relationships. Oh, that would be, uh, that would almost be biblical. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you see that again, once again, if you went back to the biblical model, typically people minister to the people from which they were called. And, you know, yep. why, why do I pastor in New York? And a guy, uh, 
sent me a picture today. Well, it was a picture of Kathy Hochul. Uh, and I guess she just said that, you know, the the 5.4 million Republicans that are in the state of New York need to leave or something. I don't know if that's true, or, but I wouldn't be surprised. I know, I know Cuomo said that, yeah. you know, the religious right needs to leave the yeah. state of New York. They do not belong here. Uh, so this guy's from Montana, and he took a picture of the sunset, and he says, when are you coming home? <laughs> <laughs> and he's a former soldier and uh, former church member of mine. And uh, so, like, why in the world am I in New York? Yeah. Well, i tell you why. It's because this is the land of my nativity. This yeah. is the area that I grew up in, and this is the area that I'm burdened for. Our family's here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. And yeah. so I, I see the need, and that's why I'm here. And most likely, I mean, again, that's going to be the biblical pattern. Another thing I think for pastors, too, is also uh, we, this is, you know, so far, we'll see by the end of the Biden administration whether or not this is still true, uh, but it's the great cash cow. America, so we do have extra funds to invest, and that's exciting. Yeah, into the Lord's work overseas, and so we can we can help out. I know last year we were, we had a surplus in the missions budget. We were able to give fifteen thousand to uh, down in Mexico. And, you know, uh, Mexican uh, ministries that uh, we're we're doing a college dormitory for a Bible institute down in college, and again it was it was Mexicans. Um, teaching their own, reaching, you know, Mexico with a guy. So there's different uh, other outlets, I think, that might be a lot uh, better of investment with our yeah. missions money than, than, than just doing the typical, again, colonial style ministry. There's, there's a dark side to missions. Uh, again, I'm not trying to paint everybody with a broad brush, but we've seen uh, a lot of shenanigans. So if you and I, just for the sake of everybody listening, wanted to tell horror stories mm about con artists, mm. we could have been talking, we'd write an hour, we'll wind it down and quit, but we could have spent the last hour telling horror stories about people who scammed yeah. yep. tens of thousands of dollars yeah. <clears throat> and really did nothing. And again, it all goes back to the accountability. Yep. We believe in the local church. Now here's a bad thing about the local church. Your parachurch organization is not going to get the glory. Mm. But if you just invest in the local New Testament church, only Jesus is going to get the glory. Oh, that's tough. That's terrible. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, if you're involved in local New Testament church, like we're saying, if I'm a pastor and I'm lazy, it's going to come back to bite me. Yeah. If I'm a nasty, mean guy, it's going to come back to bite me. Yeah. Same thing if you're a deacon as well, if you're one of those two offices. Um, but since, you know, missionary is, again, the word missionary is not in the Bible. It's some existential thing that you kind of get the defined terms. Yeah. If I, I could say that, I'm a missionary to Webster instead of a pastor, and therefore I could raise funds to. Yeah. Um, I, I remember when I was a military pastor right outside the gates of Fort Drum. It was a self supporting, still is, support, to support their pastor full time, uh, self sustaining, self supporting military church. I mean, there were some locals there, uh, but right outside the gate of Fort Drum. And I'd have people call me that were starting military ministries. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, and I said, listen. Well, you called the wrong guy. <laughs> well, I've had pastors angry at me because I they they I've been canceled before the word was popular because I don't fit the missionary mold as they think of it. But I just say, well, what what mold is that? What pattern do you? Well, you got you know you got to live there three years, come back for six months, and go back for three. You know you got to yes, live yeah. in the so where where. 
I understand the pattern. I under, I'm very familiar with your pattern, but where is where in the Bible did you find that? Well, brother, you know, and this and that. And it's like, how how can you judge me as a poor missionary or as no missionary or some lesser? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not saying the other guys are any better or worse. We're all the same. We're, we're as good as the next guy, and, and that there's none good, no, not one. I understand that. But, you know, our hearts are good. How can you judge he's a good or a bad missionary when there's no standard? Mm-hmm. You, the standard is in your imagination. It's no criteria. Yeah. Yeah, no requirements. So you're, it's trouble. Do you think, though, do you think that uh, times have changed a little bit and people are opening up their minds a little bit more to... Yes. Because it seems to me like a lot more people are working with nationals in different countries and I felt like uh, I doing was, what you're doing. I felt like I was the only one. I know I wasn't but when we started this. Mm-hmm. But now, especially with COVID, mm-hmm. a lot of our guys were forced to stay home, mm-hmm. stay in the States. And yet they, they found that, hey, I can Zoom preach too. And I can reach out. I can still have an oar in the water. And they probably have found out that they have as much influence now. And, they're, and their families are safer and yes. sound. And, and all those things that are important to God as mm-hmm. much as outreach yes. to a foreign. You know, don't sacrifice your family. I, it just tears me up. You made a promise to that little lady. You take care of her. Take care of your kids. It's tough enough just being there. But when you're away, it's even worse mm-hmm. yeah i you're you're right i think there's more coming around and and frankly the traditional method is just it wears them down they're grinding out every missionary that left the school when i left when i graduated whenever that was 97 or something 98 i think every one of them i think every one of them is back in the states sure um, for different reasons, are, is it, are they good or is it the guys that stayed on the field? Are they better or worse? Well, I think they're outstanding. I think these guys are exceptional, but I, I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about average guys like me. Sure, <laughs> sure. God doesn't call you have an exceptional gene. You can do that. You can violate my principles and go ahead and be successful. And oftentimes, honest, honestly, a lot of those guys are they're not really missionaries. They're pastors that live in a different place sure and they pastor they settle in a little group and so on and they write they, letters they kind of got a groove yeah yeah and that you know god bless them there i'm not uh, please i am not putting you guys down i love you guys but to do the things that we wanted to do and the things we were going to do uh, we i speak for myself i was attempting to do them outside of god's pattern mm-hmm. and i've mentioned that before it's just a recipe for disaster. Please find the pattern in the Bible. Stay to it. Like Moses would admonish, see to it. Yes. Thou do all things exactly to the pattern. Yes. Yeah, and you see Joshua. I think it says in the book of Joshua, I think six or seven times, all that God commanded Moses. <laughs> that, yes. That's what Joshua did. He followed the pattern, and he was successful in, uh, in conquering the promised land. So hey, and you if can you, still have a conference. You can still eat yeah. casseroles and get right. fat, and you know, ruin your transmissions, and you know, haul your kids around if you if you want to do that. But but rethink, yeah, rethink missions. Yeah. Go to the Bible. Yeah, go to the try Bible. to figure out the pattern, 
And if you need some help, email us at pastorthoughtsmail at gmail.com, and we'll send you your very own free copy of Missions by Design. Thank you, Pastor. The Biblical Pattern for Fulfilling the Great Commission. Thank you, Brother Scott. Hey, where can, uh, where can folks locate you at? Well, they can, uh, they can email me mm-hmm. at pwscott61 at gmail.com. That's P is in Paul, W is in Wesley, S-C-O-T-T, 61, that's when I was born, at gmail.com. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, thanks for being on. And, uh, and it was great today because I invited you here. And you took me out to lunch and you paid for it. So <laughs> and it was Vietnamese uh, you, dinner. <laughs> yeah, it was it was wonderful food. And uh, so you're welcome on the podcast anytime. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, God Amen. bless. Thank you so much for listening today to the Pastoral Thoughts Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you can, leave us a five-star rating on your podcast app. We'd appreciate that very much. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by emailing us at pastoralthoughtsmail at gmail.com. And you can find out more about us at pastorjack.org. God bless you and have a wonderful day.